Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I want you to turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to read verse 34 from the New King James Version. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 34. I want you to see that and read that from your own Bible. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians, and he says to them, Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. I want you to take a closer look at this verse of Scripture. And don't just read the words, but receive the principle which these words are communicating to us today. The principle which is vitally important. Paul reveals to us here in this verse of Scripture an important and powerful principle. He says that spiritual awakenings bring about righteous and holy living. Spiritual awakenings bring about righteous and holy living, but a lack of knowledge leads to a life of sin and shame. Now the word shame here means, I looked it up in the dictionary today, and this is what it says. It is a painful feeling arising from the consciousness of something dishonorable or improper. Some, Paul says to the Corinthians, do not have the knowledge of God. And because of it, they continue to live in sin, which ultimately leads to a life of pain and shame. I say this many times throughout my teaching and preaching, and I'm going to keep on saying it until we get it. And it is this. The lack of experiential knowledge of God leads to a life of pain and destruction. I want to repeat that again. The lack of intimate experiential knowledge of God leads to a life of painful of pain, sorrow, and destruction. The kind of knowledge that Paul is referring to here is intimate and experiential and not just intellectual. I believe that the more we experience the goodness of God, the more we partake of the loving kindness of the Lord and his merciful nature, the less likely 
we will be giving in to a lifestyle of sin. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 says, Don't you know that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? A question mark. So the more we experience the loving kindness of God, the love of God, the mercy of the Lord, the less likely we will want to sin. That's why Paul says to the Romans that when we experience the goodness of God, then we are led or empowered by that goodness to turn from our lifestyle of sin and begin to honor the Lord. Now, this experiential knowledge of God satisfies the soul and brings it into a place of complete rest. It fulfills this knowledge that we are talking about today, fulfills the deepest and most intimate desires of the human heart so that there is no more need to look anywhere else for that kind of fulfillment or contentment. The soul that possesses this kind of knowledge is content and is always joyful in all kinds of circumstances and in all kinds of situations. In other words, it does not depend on external circumstances or situations. This contentment, according to the word of God, comes from knowing Christ and it is not dependent on what goes on outside or external circumstances. Regardless of where you are, you are always filled with the joy of the Lord and there is a sense of peace and contentment in you because of your union with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul spoke about this inward contentment in all kinds of situations that he experienced. I want you to notice what he wrote to the church in Philippi. Turn with me, please, to Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through to 13. Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 11 through to 13. This is what Paul said. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Please notice what Paul said. He is able to find his contentment and joy in all kinds of circumstances because of his union with Christ. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, that is one of the most powerful testimonies we can have as followers of Christ. That regardless of what we face in life, we can always be joyful and we can always be content in life through our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is one of the most valuable lessons that a believer can learn. 
to always be content, to find contentment and satisfaction and fulfillment in our intimate knowledge and relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, it's vitally important that we learn this lesson because Paul says, I have learned this. It didn't come to him, or, uh, you know, uh, automatically. He learned to do this. He learned to rely in his union with Christ, and he learned to rejoice in who he is in Christ and who Christ is to him. So it's vitally important that as believers, we find our rest, we find our joy, we find our fulfillment in our union with Christ rather than in our external circumstances. You know, circumstances may change from one day to the next. Situations may change. And so blessed is the soul that has learned this valuable lesson. I recall years ago, when I was still in the retail business, I recall the Lord gently rebuking me on this issue. Why? Because my attitude and my mood would go up and down depending on how the day went in the supermarket. For instance, if we had good sales, <laughs> my mood was joyful, I was happy, but if we had a bad day in sales, my countenance would change and become unhappy and gloomy about it. And the Lord, I recall, he gently rebuked me about this. You see, I had not learned at that time how to be content or joyful in the Lord because my, con my contentment was based on the business of the day <laughs> rather than on my relationship with Christ. And that is something we all need to learn sooner or later. Many of us are in this boat today. We look for joy and fulfillment in other things. We look for joy and fulfillment in other relationships, in favorable circumstances or other avenues, rather than learning to find our joy and our gladness of heart in what we share what we have with the Lord Jesus and what he has done for us. That should be more than enough to cause joy and contentment and fulfillment to fill our lives. Well, how do we get out of this boat of being dependent on external circumstances, on being dependent on other things? Glad you asked the question. Now, the only way to get out of this boat is to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the only way out of this boat of discontentment or whatever boat you're in. It could be the boat of unforgiveness. It could be the boat of, of, um, of, of fear. It could be the boat of anxiety or stress. There's only one way to get out of that prison, and that's by growing in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, most believers fail to learn this valuable and most important lesson. Rather than pursuing to grow and mature in their experiential knowledge of God, they divert their attention and pursuit to other things. 
Well, what do I mean by that? Well, in the pursuit for other things, they lose the way and become entangled with the affairs of this life. And believe me, I've experienced this many times. This is such a strong temptation for the believer in our day and age because there are so many things that vie for our attention and our focus. The world has many substitutes that promises us contentment, fulfillment, joy, and happiness. Paul, writing to Timothy, gives them a very strong warning concerning this very thing. He writes to him in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. I want you to look at this in the Living Translation, New Living Translation. He says to him in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4 the following, Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Let's look at that again. Soldiers do not get tied up in civilian affairs, for they cannot, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Now we need to understand that a true disciple of the Lord Jesus is enlisted in God's army. Whether you realize that or not, that is the truth. You are a soldier of the Lord. As a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ, our mission in this life is to adequately represent Christ and his kingdom. That's your mission. In case you didn't know what your mission is, this is your mission. I am to represent Christ and his kingdom. Paul says to the Corinthians that we are ambassadors of Christ. What does an ambassador of a foreign country do? He represents the interests and the values of his country. When he speaks, he speaks on behalf of his kingdom, of his country. He does not represent himself. He represents the country from where he came from. You and I are citizens of the kingdom of God. If you're born of the spirit of God, you are a child of God. You're a member of the family of God. You are a citizen of another kingdom, the kingdom of God. And we are to represent that kingdom in word, in deed, in character. When we speak, we speak on the behalf of the king. We should not. That's why Jesus said, I do not say or speak my own words. I only speak what I hear the father say. I do not do my own thing. I only do what I see my father do. Jesus was the express image and representation of God the father. When Jesus moved, you see the heavenly father. In every way, in speech, in conduct, in manner, in everything. So you and I are to grow into Christ and represent adequately the kingdom of God and our King, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's your mission in life. And if you didn't know what that mission is, now you know. It's very simple. Let me put it to you in another way. The Christian's goal and pursuit in life is to know Christ and to make him known to this world. It is as simple as that. Paul's one desire 
one goal, one passion in life was to know Christ the Lord. And for the sake of this intimate knowledge and experience, he testified that he suffered the loss of all things in order to gain this experiential knowledge. He then tells us to imitate him in this pursuit. Notice what he says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Underline this verse because he's speaking to you and me. This is what he says in the New Living Translation. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. What does it mean to pattern your life? It means to imitate, to follow the example of the Apostle Paul. And listen to the words he writes to one of his most beloved churches, talking about his achievements and accomplishments in life. This is what he says. In Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 7, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He says, I once thought these things were valuable. What things was he talking about? He was talking about his earthly achievements. He was talking about his ancestry. He was talking about his education and his accomplishments in life. And he says, I once thought these things were valuable. That's why he pursued them with such fervor and passion. But now, he says, I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. This was Paul's goal and pursuit in life. He says, I want to know Christ. He was talking about intimate experiential knowledge. I want to know, he says, the power of his resurrection. And I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. In other words, I want to experience some of the same sufferings that Christ experienced. And that was his heart cry and his pursuit in life. I want to say this. In, in all the love that I could master and the compassion I have, the believer who has abandoned that pursuit for this intimate and experiential knowledge of Christ has truly lost his way and is in need of a spiritual awakening. I want to say that again. The believer who has abandoned this pursuit the pursuit for 
this intimate and experiential knowledge of Christ has lost his way and is in need of a spiritual awakening. Now, this is my prayer. These days, I pray this way because of this worldwide shaking that is taking place. This is my prayer. Lord Jesus, please redirect and realign the hearts and minds of your people so they may gain knowledge and understanding of your ways. In your mercy, bring us back to you so that we may come to know you, that we may come to know your will, know what pleases you, and how may we come to enjoy you. That is one spirit-filled prayer, and I encourage you to pray this prayer not just for yourself, but for the body of Christ worldwide. In your mercy, Lord, bring us back so that we may come to know you, so that we may know your will, what pleases you, what displeases you, and how we may come to truly enjoy you and find our joy, our comfort, and our contentment in you. Paul goes on to say, <clears throat> in the verse, the foundational verse that we read, that those who do not have this kind of experiential knowledge, they continue to live in sin, disobedience, and rebellion against God. The devil's most effective weapon, as I've said this many times, is spiritual ignorance. His way of keeping people under his influence is to keep them in the dark. He is referred to in the Bible as the prince of darkness. And he fights. If he cannot stop you from coming to Christ, know this. He will try to stop you from becoming knowledgeable in the ways of the Lord. He fights in order to keep people in spiritual ignorance. Listen to what Paul says to the Ephesians regarding this issue. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18 says the following, having their understanding darkened, speaking about the unbeliever, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of the heart. That tells us a mouthful. Paul says that because their understanding is darkened, they are alienated from the life of God because of the blindness of their heart. Now, the word alienated means to become hostile or indifferent. In this case, it is towards God. And it also means to turn away from God. You see, as long as people remain ignorant concerning the love of God, the plan of salvation, the will of God for their lives, they will continue to be alienated from the life that Christ came to give us. And all the more necessary and urgent for us to preach and proclaim the good news in season and out of season 
through Christ Jesus in order to bring them into a spiritual awakening. I recall when I heard for the first time the gospel under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, my soul was awakened. I was revived. I came to myself. And when I came to myself, the only logical and natural thing for me to do was to repent, was to turn from a life of sin and disobedience and rebellion and selfishness and come to my heavenly Father in humility and in brokenness of heart. And that's why the only power, the only force that can bring an awakening to our soul is the powerful anointed word of the living God. Nothing else and no one else. We must come under the influence of the word if we desire with an open heart, with a humble mind and, and desire and, and receive that word with humility as according to the word of God in James that says, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save. You can change that word for restore, heal, which is able, he says, to save your souls. It is the soul that needs to be awakened. Our spirit is awakened because we are alive. What we actually need is a soulish awakening where our minds are renewed, our emotions are healed, and our, our, um, our will is renewed and regenerated and, and, and aligned with the word and the will of God. You see, this lack of knowledge that I'm speaking to you about enough I've spoken to you continually in the last few weeks about the knowledge of God and how we receive that knowledge. And we are continuing on that theme because it's vitally important. It is foundational. This lack of knowledge is also detrimental, not just for unbelievers, but for believers as well. Because Hosea said God's people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Isaiah says God's people go into captivity because they have no knowledge. Amen. So what we're speaking about is vitally important. That's why I'm going over it again and again until we receive it in our hearts and renew our minds with it. And then we begin to pursue above all else this experiential knowledge of God to know God more deeply, to understand him more intimately, to, to be so awakened to his spirit that we hear his every whisper, that we are attentive to his words and his instructions. Even during this time of a worldwide shaking, Lord, speak for your servant is listening to you. Help me to adjust and align my mind, my thoughts, my heart with your thoughts, with your will, ready to serve you reverently and with godly fear, ready to obey your commands. This is so vitally important. And, and, and I'm praying for that. And I've, I've, I've received testimonies of people being awakened. Thank God. I believe this worldwide shaking will bring a mighty spiritual soul awakening to hundreds and thousands of people. 
not just within the church, but in the world as well. So we're living in, in exciting times, folk. In the, on the flesh is hard, but it's good for the spirit, it's good for the eternal life. You know, the tragedy is not dying or even dying from this virus. The tragedy is dying without Christ, without this intimate, personal, experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ, the Lord, is dying without him. That is the real tragedy. Amen. God is more concerned about our eternal destiny and welfare than this present life. And he may allow, not that he has commissioned this or he is involved in any way in this virus, but you know what? He will turn it into a great blessing like he always does. He takes the works of the devil and somehow he turns it into a great blessing to those who believe. And we've seen that throughout the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. <coughs> Excuse me. So, you know, my time is up. I didn't want to rush through this, uh, through this uh, message today. Because there's so much more I want to share with you concerning this subject. And so I think I'm going to leave it there and we're going to pick up next week because I have much more to share with you concerning the subject that we are speaking about. What subject is that? Righteous Awakening. That's the title of my message. And this is what Paul is communicating to us that that spiritual and soulish awakenings bring about righteous and holy living. And so I pray that you are ministered to and blessed by this word. I pray that during this time of the lockdown, we will experience the presence of the Lord in a greater measure. We will get to know him much better than we did before. And that is the prayer of my heart. And I pray this prayer for you as Paul prayed for the Ephesians. And he says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge and knowledge of him, that you may know him and the power of his resurrection and his will for your life and the power that belongs to us in the authority because we are united with Christ through the new birth. And let me conclude by praying this prayer. Why don't we open our Bibles and pray this prayer together? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 and pray this prayer together. Put your name where it's appropriate. Ephesians 1, beginning with verse 15. Okay, I will pray out loud. You pray within you. But let's pray this prayer as we conclude uh, part one of this, of this lesson today. Therefore, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I do not cease to give thanks for my spiritual family, wherever they may be, both here and abroad, making mention of every single one in my prayers, 
that you, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to my spiritual family the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of their understanding being enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, dear Lord. What are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in us, the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe, according to the working of your mighty power, which you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at your own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And you have put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.